If you're looking to grow from six to seven figures in revenue a year or seven figures a year in revenue to seven figures a month in your e-commerce business, or if you feel like you've plateaued in your e-commerce business, this is the podcast for you. You're listening to the Journey to Eight Figure Ecom Business Podcast. My name is Emmanuel Alea, founder and CEO of Alea Systems, where we build systems that build brands online and teach e-commerce founders how to grow from six figures a year to six figures a month in 90 days or less. I scaled my first e-commerce business from zero to seven figures in two years and seven to eight figures three years later. And since then, we've created an agency to help others recreate the same success, partnering with over 50 e-commerce businesses as clients. In just the last year, we've helped 12 of them go from six figures to seven figures and five of them 10x their businesses going from around 30,000 a month in revenue to over 300,000 a month in revenue. And we're just getting started. Now, as a reminder, this podcast isn't for everyone. It's for folks who already have an idea, they're already selling, but are also not funded, and they're using their own cash to grow their own business, right? You're trying to have a life while also having a business, but you're feeling the pressure of having to do it all yourself. If these are your struggles, we're here for you, and you're going to get the most value from this podcast. In the first couple episodes, we'd been talking about the first phase of the journey from start to eight figures what it looks like to go from side hustle to a full-time income with your e-commerce store. That's phase one. And I really stressed that the most important component is understanding product market fit and validating that you've achieved product market fit while making sure you have a good product margin. Then we moved into the second phase, what it looks like to go from full-time income to hiring a team where we discuss the beliefs and myths that hold us back the customer acquisition and supply chain systems we need to scale through this phase, phase, and how to hire a team that will manage those systems so you can be freed up for the next phase of growth to an eight-figure-a-year business. And in these next three podcast episodes, we're going to be going over this final phase of the journey, going from having a team to seven-figure months, that elusive eight-figure-a-year business, right? The key to making it through this phase and getting to where you're doing $833,000 a month to to seven figures a month will be broken into three sections. One, your customer acquisition systems. Two, your supply chain systems. And three, your management team's systems. And and in this, this specific podcast today, we'll be talking about your customer acquisition systems and the key elements you need to have in place to scale your revenue past a million dollars a month. So, with that intro out of the way, let's take stock of where you're at. If you've been following along on this journey with the podcast, started out with the first idea, which is achieving product market fit and pricing your products for a healthy margin, right? Your business passed the point of getting consistent, repeatable sales, which got you to around 10000 to 30000 a month in revenue. And you moved from side hustle to full-time income, okay? Once you did that, you focused on building a robust supply chain with a solid tech stack and built a customer acquisition pipeline that converts strangers in your target market into buyers of your product. And while doing that, you avoided the pitfalls and distractions that come from early success when you're finally making enough to quit your job and do this thing full time. Once you did that, you became aware of and successfully dealt with the myths and negative belief systems that can stop you in your tracks, right? Things like perfectionism, imposter syndrome, and shiny object syndrome. You got past that and moved past the point of being a seven-figure business. You're probably doing around 83000 a month or more, maybe even had a couple six-figure months, but your business is pretty solid. And because of that, it's too big for you to do on your own. 
you've moved on from just having yourself or having yourself and some helpers, right? Friends and family that are just kind of helping you out on a part-time basis to getting better skilled employees for specific job functions that you pay a market rate, right? Not just friends and family discount helper fees, right? So you brought them in for specific things for both customer acquisition and supply chain, right? Things like social media, you're creative in your website, right? Managing paid ads for people, maybe you have someone doing that, or you help, you have people helping with your customer service and fulfillment, right? People to help with your supply chain side of things, right? You have a team now. And most importantly, you've outsourced the key backend functions as well to help you get out of the weeds, right? The day-to-day stuff like the accounting, recruiting of new people, right? New team members doing all that. Uh, interviewing and, and getting new team members or contractors, the inventory management, just plant, doing the math to see are we out of stock, in stock, and the product sourcing, right? Calling on manufacturers. You've got people for that now, right? So you, you're not necessarily doing the day-to-day. And so here you are. And your question is, how do I get to the next level? Well, today we're going to talk about customer acquisition, right? That's going to be our focus. You need to be at a different level, right? Because now you have a team in place and you're no longer in your weeds in the weeds. So you have more time available to you. Right. And a lot of people get confused now at this point and, and sometimes slip back into just getting in the way. You've hired these people, you need to empower them to let them do what they do. Right. They get confused because what got them here is what they feel is good. Right. It worked. It got you to a business that's doing seven figures plus a year. And they get confused about what the difference is between doing that, being in the day-to-day, or focusing on more of the strategy or the higher level type stuff, right? What what are you talking about when you say higher level? What is this strategy stuff? The day-to-day is my job. I have to be there managing my people. I got to take care of my team. I got to take care of stuff. Things are happening, right? I'll explain what we're what the, what I mean by the difference. Here's the difference. When you're looking at the day-to-day, what I mean by that is you're in reaction mode. Right. Things are happening and you have to react to them. Right? You're a firefighter. You're just putting out fires. Something broke or something isn't working right or something went great and you're celebrating, but it's all backwards looking. Right? The thing is you have a team for that. Now, that day-to-day stuff, you brought them in specifically because you knew exactly what needed to be done. You laid it out like we talked about in the hiring podcast. You laid it out, you made sure you have enough work for them to do it consistently, and then you brought them in, you onboarded them, and you trained them on how to do it. Let them figure it out. You need to empower them to take care of as much of these things as possible without having to come to you, right? When you're in the strategic role or moving to the higher level, what you should be focusing more on now is predicting or forecasting, right? Two interchangeable words to say the same thing, but your goal is no longer to be in the day-to-day as often. You can still slip in every once in a while, but you need to be moving towards looking to the future, looking ahead and trying to plan what the future will be versus reacting to what is happening in the present, right? I know it may seem difficult or even impossible, and it is for most businesses, but not for the ones that have listened to this podcast from the beginning and have followed the systems and strategies I've outlined to ensure that they have that key component to their business that makes this work, right? that enables you to forecast. This key component is repeatability, right? It is crucial that your business has some level of consistency right now, right? If if you're not getting consistent amount of orders per day or customers per day or a consistent amount of repeat purchases or something you can build a plan around, right? Consistent revenue, 
you're not going to be able to get past this level to scale to those eight figure months, right? Those folks that have one month, 300,000 in revenue. Wow, that was great. And then the next month, 30,000 in revenue or for three months, you know, of, out of the year during Q4, they make 90% of their revenue. That kind of thing is, is not going to enable you to scale, right? You, you can do that. There's some businesses that are like, look, I'm comfortable at this level. I'm going to stay here. And that's fine if that's you. But if you want to get to the eight-figure month, which is the journey that we're on, or the eighth-figure year, eight-figure month, it's a journey that we're on. You need to have some level of consistency. I'll give you an example. What do I mean by consistency and repeatability? So a couple of years ago, in the early days of when we were starting our retailer, Grace Alea, we focused on one channel. Our biggest marketing channel was influencer marketing. We paired with a lot of influencers. We would have 10, 20, 30 influencers at a time all drop on the same day. It was amazing. It worked really well. We'd find them. We'd have, we had a whole process to reach out to them and get their information, get them the product, get them to create a video, approve the video, and then launch it. The problem with that was it would really throw off our revenue. So in the months where we would have an influencer push, we'd be making forty to 60000 in revenue. Bang, just a big month. But then when we didn't have the big revenue, the big uh, influencer push, the revenue would come down to ten to 20000 a month, right? So a quarter of what we were making before to a third, like it was just a huge amount of fluctuation. And so the reason for that was we would spend all our time in the previous months <clears throat> leading up to leading up to the influencer push where we would be reaching out, getting influencers, finding them, doing the negotiations, sending them product. It would take a lot of time. That usually took about 60 days or so, 30 to 60 days to get an influencer campaign going. And in that time, we weren't really getting any traffic. We were just focusing on, we weren't really doing much marketing, right? We were just kind of trying to get ready for the next big push. And when the influencers launched, then bang, it would take off, right? All the sales would come in and we'd have this big influx, right? And so it wasn't really working well for us to have a consistent amount of revenue. So what did we decide to do instead? And also after we would actually launch the influencers, not only do we take 30 to 60 days, but when we launched the promotion, the traffic that they would send would just go straight to our homepage. We would give them a link to our homepage or to a product page, right? Or somewhere on the site where they could go buy. And so what happened is all that traffic would make it to the site. All these visitors would watch the YouTube video, land on our website, and then either buy or not buy. But that was it. So at that point, yeah, granted, we had 5 to 10% conversion rate, which was great. But that meant that 90% of the traffic we may never hear from again. They may forget all about us. They see us and they go. So made a change, made a change for the next influencer promotion uh, where we added in what's called a squeeze page or a landing page. This is a landing page that has no navigation on it. There's only one button and it's to sign up or click here. It's a squeeze page. That's all they can do. They can't get to the home or the about us or any of that stuff. So we gave that link to all the influencers. So now we had 20, 30 influencers launching a video and pushing all that traffic to the squeeze page where there was an email signup form where we said, hey, if you would like to get the 10% discount that was promised in the video, then click, then sign up here, put, give us your email address. And now all of a sudden, you know, we had 30 to 50% of people giving us their email address. We had their emails now. So even if only five to 10% of all that traffic converted, we could still go after the rest of those folks with email marketing. 
And so that is what allowed us to really change the game because here's what happened next. We'd have that big pop, right, of 40 to 60K in a month. But then the next month, while we were recruiting more influencers or trying to find a new uh, approach, working with other different types of influencers, we didn't have to go back to the 10K in 10 to 20K revenue a month mark. What we could do is we could send emails to people from the last influencer push in that down month and sell more product, right? Because we had built our email list up bigger. And so now that got us to the, the key, right? This repeatability. We were at about a 30K a month baseline. And so no matter what, whether we were doing influencers or not doing influencers, we were doing 30K a month. That was our baseline. Consistently, no matter what, our minimum was 30K a month. So I could consistently plan whether we were doing influencers or not, we were going to make at least 30K a month. That's the key, right? Because once you have that level of consistency, you can start to set benchmarks and you know where things are are off because your benchmarks are train are changing, right? Uh, this is what allows you to predict, right? So basically, if we were if I know we're doing 30k a month and we don't have an influencer push, I need to have that amount of uh, orders and inventory and help and staff to do at a minimum 30k. I could plan my entire business around it, right? And so also, if we went forward and we did an influencer push and it didn't hit right, I would know that it was off because I was expecting to hit 60K. So if I did 30K on influencer push month, I would know that actually uh, that was off. That didn't work. And so maybe I need to change what I'm doing with the influencer. Those influencers didn't work. And now I'm overstocked on inventory. I was supposed to sell more, right? And that's the whole benefit of having this repeatability and having this benchmarks, right? And, And most importantly, if I looked at a calendar for the upcoming months, I could plan what months the influencer marketing push was and which months would not have it and know exactly which months would have the higher revenue, right? So this is great. This is the whole premise of what I want to show you, right? Uh, the higher months, you can staff up on inventory. You could plan to have less cash because you're hiring more inventory or, or more influencers. We're paying for more manufacturing and inventory. And then the influencer push months, we would also plan for more customer service staff and fulfillment staff because we'd have more orders flowing through. In the lower revenue months, we'd plan for decreased cash. So we wouldn't have as many expenses. We'd push harder on the email team to make the revenue we needed, right? We'd also make sure the email team had plenty of ideas and promotions to send out to our audience to make sure we hit our benchmark. So now what this allows is the entire time, the entire team is able to see ahead and look forward and know what's coming up and plan their various departments or their areas or their tasks all the way out into the future. So now instead of just reacting to the day-to-day pressures that come up and asking all the time, you know, now what's going on, guys? What's happening? Where are we at? What's going on? You should be constantly asking, is what's going on what I expected to be going on? You're constantly measuring if what is actually happening is what you planned on happening. And based on how close your plan is to what's actually happening, you can update your future plan to account for what you're learning and get better at predicting what your metrics and actions will look like in the future. So trust me, guys, getting to this level of predictability and repeatability is literally what will take you to that next level. If you start looking for the metrics and the key numbers that allow you to say, ah, this is what I expected to have happen versus not, 
that's how you can get away from the firefighting and keep, and wondering, oh my gosh, what's going on now? Oh my gosh, we made 30K this month. Oh my gosh, we made 60K. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Oh, we should hire more people. We, you don't have to react. You can look to the future. All right. So at this point, you're probably wondering, what should those metrics and actions be that I need in order to predict and forecast? What should those things be? Right Now, obviously, for every business, the specific metrics will be a little different. But because you're listening to this podcast, right, is built for e-com store owners, right? I can give you a formula that has helped me time and time again with my e-commerce stores and my clients with their e-commerce stores, right? Because we're pretty much a, a similar type of business model, all of us, right? I just call it simply the revenue formula, right? Revenue equals traffic times conversion rate times average order value times repeat order rate. Right? It's a pretty simple formula, but it is truly powerful if you really get a hold of this concept and help you for help yourself forecast, right? And really, where does it come from? Why did I choose this one and why has it helped me and my clients' e-commerce stores so much? Well, it stems from the idea that there's really only three ways to increase revenue in a business. You can either A, get more customers, B, get more revenue per customer per order, or C, give more orders per customer. That's really it, right? If you think about it, almost every tactic or guru or marketing strategy or anything that you see out there that's promoted for marketing or advertising or generating revenue, it really boils down to one of those things. You're either getting more customers, right? In our case, on the online marketing world, more customers means you're getting more traffic to your store, right? And converting more of it. So that's all your paid ads people. That's all your affiliate people. That's all your, all these different things that get you traffic to your store, your SEO people, all those strategies. The goal of them is to get traffic to the store and get more qualified traffic. So warmer traffic that converts at a higher conversion rate, or they're trying to, those strategies, other strategies are trying to get more revenue per customer order per customer per order. And that's your average order value. So these are things like conversion rate optimization, right? Store design. Designers are always trying to improve the look and feel of your site and the usability to improve uh, how the customer, the conversion rate is going to be. And then also all your upsell apps, your cross-sell apps, your uh, different pop-ups and your reviews and, you know, your, your banners at the top, those are trying to increase your average order value, your bundles, your volume discounts, right? Those, the goal of those strategies is to increase the revenue per customer per order, right? Or your average order value. And then lastly, your orders per customer, repeat purchase rate. This is where all your email, your SMS, right? Uh, these are your owned audiences. These are your email list, your SMS list, right? Your <laughs> goal here is to get people who have already bought from you to buy again and again and again. Okay, so those are the the, the three parts of it, uh, three ways to get more revenue, and that's the formula, right? Revenue is traffic times conversion rate times average order value times repeat order rate. So let's do an example to help make it clear. So let's assume I have 100 visitors, right? I'm thinking of how much revenue I'm going to make. So I have 100 visitors, and I convert two of them, or 2% conversion rate, right? And I have an average order value of $10. Then in that case, I've made $20. If one of them comes back and buys again with that same average order value, the number doesn't change, then I'll have made $20. And my repeat order rate will be 1.5 because 50% of the people who bought, bought again. 
So in this case, I can improve my revenue by focusing on any of these three benchmarks. So here's an example. If I have 100 visitors and convert two of them, we'll say 2% conversion rate, right? With an average order value of $10, then I'll make $20, two times $10. If one of them comes back and buys again with that same average order value, of $10, then I'll have made $30 total, the two initial ones and the repeat purchase. And my repeat order rate would be 1.5 because 50% of the people who bought, bought again. And that is the formula, right? So uh, that basically determines how much revenue we make. That's the revenue formula. Now, what if I decide I want to increase my revenue, right? Using this scenario, I can improve my revenue by focusing on improving on any one of these three benchmarks, right? Let's use traffic, for example. If I increase my traffic from 100 visitors to 200 visitors, that should double the number of customers, right? To four using the same conversion rate, right? So 200 times 2% would be four. And if I use the same AOV of $10, I would get $40 in revenue, right? And if I have the same repeat purchase rate of 1.5, right? So half of the four people will buy again. That means two more would buy again for an extra $20 in repeat purchase revenue. And within a $10 ALV, that means my total revenue is going to be $60 for the six people who purchased, or the six orders, excuse me, and the four people who purchased. So $60 in total revenue. So by doubling my traffic to 200 and keeping my conversion rate, average order value, and repeat purchase rate the same, I've increased my revenue from $30 to $60. Right? Obviously, I haven't done that in reality, but I've made a plan. Right, And this allows me to plan. And you can do the same hypothetical analysis with this formula by changing any of the metrics and seeing how your revenue forecast increases. Right, So if you want to have a big sale, you can see how that you can change your average order value number. Or if you want to have uh, a big email marketing push, that would affect your repeat purchase rate. Right, If you want to change your paid ads and decrease it, you can see how your revenue is going to change. So these numbers help you plan and help you predict and see how your revenue is going to change as you forecast. And the key here isn't to get a, it isn't to get good at using our formula or to have the best metrics and analysis or even to get it right. There is no such thing as right. The key here is to just have a plan. That's it. And obviously, there's a ton more variables you can keep in mind. This is just one way of planning. This is my reven little revenue formula that I like to use. Right? And there's so many other metrics you can look at. There's hundreds of them out there, thousands of metrics that lots of people advocate. But to me, this is what I've found works for my e-commerce businesses and the types of businesses that we help in our agency. And you don't have to be 100% accurate with this either. Even when once you've decided, yes, I want to use this, it doesn't have to be, right? It just has to be a, enough to start. That's it. This will make you a decent plan that you can use as we go through the day to day and then week to week and the month to month. You can actually measure to see if what we're actually seeing happening is what we planned to see happening. And that's the key, right? Plan to actuals. So that way we're actually moving forward in our business and working on the business strategically at a higher level than just reacting and firefighting all day long. Okay. So how do you use this in your business, right? It's really a three-step process. The first step, you establish your benchmarks. The second step, you forecast revenue based on those benchmarks. And third, you measure your plan to actuals going forward and adjust the plan as needed. 
So for step one, it's going to take you, it's going to require you to do a quick exercise to get your benchmarks, right? Go into your store, see how many visitors you're getting per month and what your conversion rate is, what your average order value is, and your repeat order rate. You need those four metrics, okay? Write them down somewhere, put them in a spreadsheet if you need to, or just put them in a calculator, but you should be able to recreate the revenue that you're currently making from your formula and be close. It may not be exact, right? Because of rounding and things like that, but you should basically be able to get where you're at currently. And for repeat order rate, sometimes depending on the store you use, whether it's a cart, whether it's Shopify or WooCommerce or BigCommerce or something like that, the factor is not going to be a number like 1.5 repeat purchase rate. It'll be like 20%, right? Or 50%. So just convert that to a factor, right? So if it's 20%, just 1.2. If it's 50%, it's 1.5, right? Or if you don't even have that, sometimes the cart doesn't even give you a repeat purchase rate. You can come up with this number yourself. You simply download a list of your orders for the last year and your customers for the last year. It might be the same report. That's okay. You just take the total number of orders and divide that by the total number of customers, and that'll give you your repeat purchase rate. And you'll know, sometimes people wonder if, you know, forget the formula. Just remember, it's usually some number between 1.1 and 1.4 for most folks, right, who are scaling and growing. Uh, If you have a number that's smaller than one, you you just flip the numbers backwards, right? You divided the number of customers by the number of orders. You should have at least one order per customer. (laughs) Otherwise, they're not a customer, right? So that's how you know you, you should at least have one. And usually you have somebody come back and buy again. So your numbers are going to be at least one point, one point something or above, right? To 1.4. And if, and if you're looking at 1.6 and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to do more. Don't feel bad. Like I'm helping you by giving you this benchmark. 1.4 is good, right? And if you're over 1.4, 1.5, then you're doing a good job. So uh, don't feel bad about this number. Okay. So now that you have these four benchmarks, right? You have your uh, amount of visitors or your amount of visitors, your traffic, right? You have your conversion rate, you have your average order value, and you have your repeat purchase rate. Plug these benchmarks in your formula, right? Recreate your most recent full month's revenue. And that, ladies and gentlemen, becomes your plan, right? That's what's going to help us with the second step of this, which is firming up the plan, right? So that it becomes a good predictor of the future, okay? Because once you have these benchmarks, you simply just need to apply them to the year going forward, right? Let's say you took January as the month that you're recreating with your benchmarks, right? Now, from February throughout, you can just do a straight line. Maybe it was 80,000, 90,000 a month, whatever your benchmarks were. Just plan that out for the year, right? And that'll be your plan for the year. One mil to 1.2 mil yearly straight line across, okay? And that alone, (laughs) that alone, just doing that little exercise is enough to get you started and get out of the day-to-day firefighting into the higher level strategy we're looking for because you know what the future looks like. You just need to make it happen. You know the relationship between the variables that lead to revenue. And if you see any one slipping or any one increasing or changing, you have an area to go look at and dig deeper into as you go through instead of just, oh my gosh, we did 100,000 this month. Oh my gosh, we did 10,000. Oh my gosh, we... I don't know. This will allow you to be more in control. Okay. So the next part of the planning process in this step two, in this planning step, you need to make some assumptions about the future, right? We know it's never going to be a straight line like that. It's not that easy in the e-commerce world, right? The most obvious example is Black Friday, Cyber Monday. November and December are going to be your two biggest months. 
Usually Q4 is 40% of the entire year's revenue. So already we know it's not going to be that simple, right? So if you know a specific month, you'll be doing something will change, adjust your metrics and your benchmarks accordingly, right? Determine which of those benchmarks will change and adjust it. Okay. So for example, in, in one month, if you're going to be doing more paid traffic, increase your traffic number, right? Or if you have some big push, right? If you're going to be on QVC or Home Shopping Network or, or be Amazon's Choice or Prime Day's coming up, you know you're going to get more traffic, right? But at the same time, if traffic is a number you increase, you should also know that your conversion rate is going to drop. You should see that happen as well, right? Because a colder traffic may not convert as well. Or if you're doing less paid traffic in one month, maybe it's September, October, the time frame where most people are stocking up for Q4, but don't have as much revenue coming in because they're not Q4. Uh, maybe you know your your traffic's going to be down, right? Or it's it's going to stay the same, or you're doing less paid traffic, your traffic's going to stay the same. But maybe you decide, you know what, we're going to do a sale to kind of make up for that. So we're going to do a sale and do a ton more email marketing. We're just really going to pound the list and try to make up for uh, make up for it with email and the sale. So in that case, your conversion rate probably will go up while your traffic stays the same and your average order value might dip, right? It might dip or it might go up if people are stopping up. Depends. Uh, and for sure, your repeat purchase rate would go up, right? Because you're selling more to your list of customers who have already purchased from you, right? And so well, your goal then is to come up with a plan that is different based on what you see happening in each month, right? And then once you have that, share that plan with your team, okay? The goal isn't to be right. The goal is to have a plan, right? And what will happen is you notice I made some assumptions, right? If traffic goes down, then conversion rate goes goes up, the average order value does this, does that. All of those assumptions I'm making, all those things I'm saying, those are relationships between these metrics that you need to build. In your business, if you increase paid traffic, does conversion rate go down? Who knows? You may be one of the lucky few where your traffic just scales, your audience scales, and you hit a really good pocket of paid ads uh, a market. And so your conversion rate may not change. And that's the point of this process. As you go forward, you just establish a baseline. And then you see what changes as you take different actions. So as you make more sales or as you have a sale or you have more paid ads or you have a big PR push or you have what about these benchmarks changes. So then the next time you do that action, you can see in advance right now what is going to happen, right? What is going to change about your revenue numbers, okay? Now that you have the plan and you built it out for at least a year, Step three is to measure your plan actuals every day going forward and update your plan. As you're going through each day, week, and month, you should be looking at your benchmarks to see if what you thought would happen is actually happening. If you see that your conversion rate is dipping or your repeat purchase rate is dipping, you can make changes specifically to address those drops, right? Repeat purchase rate is going down. What's going on? Why aren't people ordering as often, right? Or maybe it's because you're just getting such a huge influx of customers, Whatever the case may be, write down what happened and then look to the future. Is next month going to have the same conditions and same actions or is it going to be different, right? Or if one of the numbers is unexpectedly higher, you should dig into that. So if your conversion rate, you planned on it being 2% and it's 6% for some reason, what's going on? My goodness, what did we do differently? And if it was a one-time thing, maybe it's like, oh, we had a big sale. Okay, that's why. Then you just, you don't update your plan into the future. 
But if it's not, if it's because, oh, we launched this new product line that we're going to keep in stock forever, and now people are converting like crazy, your plan may be too conservative. You need to update your plan going forward and have that 6% number versus the 2% number uh, to make sure that your plan is accurate and you're ordering enough inventory and you're having enough staff and you're doing as well as you can to set yourself up for those bigger months. This is how you get better and better and better at predicting the future and planning. It is a crucial skill that you need to master in order to identify the key growth levers in your customer acquisition pipeline to double down on to scale your business to the seven-figure month level. Because if you can't plan for it, you can't be ready for it with supply chain and inventory position. And if you can't be ready for it, you simply can't do it, right? You can't make a million dollars in revenue in your e-commerce business if you only have enough inventory to make $500,000. It's just not possible, right? So... You need to be able to plan for that million dollar month well in advance of actually having the million dollar month, right? There's no surprise. You made a million bucks. It's not going to happen. You got to be ready for it. So I tell you, this podcast episode is the most crucial. If you're trying to go from that seven figure to eight figure mark, you've got to be able to forecast when that's going to be so you can plan the rest of your supply chain around it. And that's the key takeaway from today's episode. And also the setup for the next episode when we talk about your supply chain. You have to be able to know in advance that you're going to do 830000 or a million in revenue or more in one month. Because as an inventory-based business, you got to prepare. You have to have the right inventory in stock. You have to have the right shipping and fulfillment infrastructure ready. And you've got to have plenty enough customer service and admin staff in place to handle the volume of requests, the customers, and the orders that come when you're doing that much volume. So... Get good at predicting the future by setting benchmarks for your revenue formula and measuring your plan to actuals. All right. Subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. If you know of any other e-commerce businesses trying to go from six to seven figures a year in revenue, share this show with them. And visit our website, www.layasystems.com, and sign up for our newsletter. As a thank you for signing up, for our newsletter, you'll immediately get access to our Klaviyo Email Marketing Resource Kit, a must if you're selling online, to make sure you're getting the most revenue you can from back-end sales and not having to constantly scale through paid acquisition. I'm Emmanuel Alea, and we'll see you on the next episode.